What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Podcast, um, sponsored by Court Date. Uh, that's our new sponsor for this podcast. It's courtdate.io is kind of a new place to play if you're looking for um, an indoor sports facility, uh, whether you want to rent it for pickup, skills training, team practices, if you're looking for a socially distanced or COVID-friendly way to get some get some hoops runs in, um, use court date to connect with the athletics facilities across the metro area that offer private rentals. Um, just visit courtdate.io and you'll find out more and they'll help you connect with uh, area facilities. Um, our good buddy, Matt Hoover, runs that, uh, runs that site and helps get everybody connected that way. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, and uh, joining me today on the podcast is someone who uses a lot of those courts uh, around the Omaha area I... to help train the youngins, uh, Chevelle <laughs> Sotsasi, former Creighton women's basketball assistant coach, and now just mentor of the future of what Omaha hoops in the metro yeah. area, right? Boys I like that. I like that. Like, yep. How you doing, Chef? Yeah. How's the uh, how's the mentoring world treating you? It's good. It's been really good. Um, it's less stressful. I'll tell you that is definitely less stressful. I, we were just um, walking today. We go for, we go try to go for walks with our daughter. Um, and I was thinking, I'm like, man, it's Saturday. Normally this time of year on a Saturday, I'm pissed off about the game on Friday or I'm ecstatic about it. Who knows? But I'm watching film for the next game on Sunday. So I'm, I, it's weird to be this time of year on a Saturday, not doing film work. You know what? While I have you here, I want to see if I can extract this for the record. But uh, I had Olivia on after which game did we do? Maybe UConn? I think mm -hmm. it was the home game against UConn. Liv was on uh -huh. this, this, this podcast with me. Okay. And uh, one of the questions I think Jalen asked her was, what was the most angry you've ever been um, in the locker room? That I've ever been? Yes. Well, I don't know if you oh. first of all, let me just ask if you remember the game that they that they referred to. And if you don't, I'll tell you. Oh yeah, it was definitely St. John's at St. John's. <laughs> <laughs> that is, see, that's what I'm talking about. This thing must have been legendary because that's the game they said. So the fact that you know what it was, um, the game at St. John's, I went back and looked to see uh, what they were talking about. And yeah, it was a clunker. Yeah. Um Oh, so I just want to, I want to know if you're going to tell me because Liv <laughs> didn't want to repeat the words, but you know, oh, God. <laughs> I want to know what you did to them <laughs> to burn that into their memories because it must've been <laughs> unchev like. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, it's funny because it, it kept, um, it's steam for like years after it was just one of those games where you felt like they were feeling sorry for themselves and like, Typically you get upset, like, you know, and it's, it's, you talk about the things that happened, but you, we got in the locker room and I felt like they were, it just felt like a sense of entitlement or like something gave me a weird vibe with it. And I don't know, it just sent me over. So <laughs> I said, uh, I will not say on air what I said, they but would, they wouldn't either. They wouldn't say what the, they said there yeah. was, a, they said there was a word that you said. It's, that became like uh, a mantra for the rest of the season. Like that, that was like definitely true. It was a hashtag on before every game. Okay. And uh, and I'll I'll give you what it was. It was you can try to put it together and come up with whatever you think it was, but it was N M P A S. 
N M P A S. N as in Nancy. Yeah. M as in Mary. Yep. P A S. Okay. I'll have to brainstorm. So good luck that. With that. I'll have to brainstorm that later. Yeah, they were like, I, I, I think I asked Liz. She's like, she's like, yeah. She came up with a she. There was something she said in the locker room that became like the phrase of the rest of the season, basically. We said, we, said, we said it before every game to remind ourselves. And I was like, well, can you repeat it? And she goes, absolutely not. <laughs> so I love that. It's remained, oh my remained goodness. a secret. Yeah, I just, yeah. Once you, if, if you figure that out, then you'll, you'll understand why she gotcha. didn't say it. But understood. <laughs> anyway, I, I love it just the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk some hoops. Uh, Creighton, uh, beat Marquette tonight 71-68 to get back into the win column um, after a brief uh, stint in the loss column to Georgetown. Now, I didn't want to jinx Chev before this performance, but I have had a habit of having repeated guests on that have a bad record this year. So Jacob Badilla was my was on with me co-hosting uh, uh-huh. for the Georgetown game, and that was his third L of the year. So these are all predetermined guests. So I have no say in how Creighton's going to play based on the guests I choose, but he's been on for the Marquette home loss, the Butler road loss, and then the Georgetown home loss. So those are three, those are Creighton's three worst losses of the year. Um, so he's been on for those. And now there's some backlash saying I probably shouldn't have him on anymore, despite his expert analysis. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about that when I asked Chev and I was like, Oh crap, she was on for the Kansas loss. Um, yeah. So I didn't even want to mention it. I didn't want to put any pressure on it. I go, let's just see. Good job. It's Marquette. They're Creighton yeah. should win this game. It's not Chef's fault if they lose it. Let's just see if it's not <laughs> actually bad luck. Let's just see if we can get through it without talking about it. So she is now one and one um, in her Blue Jay beat post post game podcast appearances. So she's she's up to five hundred. Yeah. We can't let's have go coming her way. Um, but as we do, you know, we always let the guests. We'll say that Kansas, that Kansas game, they played pretty well. Free throws were just killer. True. However, that is aged as that is aged pretty poorly, given that Kansas has like lost five of seven. And I was gonna say I <laughs> yeah. haven't seen, but how are they doing? Not well. <laughs> okay, they're not very well. <laughs> I believe they call it a snowball effect. That's what's going on in KU right now. Um, <laughs> maybe I think Bill Self is using mpas in the locker room at the moment yeah after <laughs> if he knows what it means he's probably using it as well um oh boy so yeah as we always do let the guests lead off because i'm a, a gracious host um uh just your general impressions maybe key takeaways from today's game whether they're good or bad um in terms of maybe why creighton was able to be successful and also um maybe why they weren't able, despite the fact that they kind of kept Marquette at arm's length for much of the game, weren't able to land a knockout blow and put them away. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just the, the eye test, cause I, I looked, I looked at the stats obviously that you sent me. Um, but like the eye test, I felt like they won all in all the household categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that'll usually save you from those little bumps that you go through uh, throughout the course of a game, especially when you're leading the whole way. Um, or for, for most of it, I feel like when you, when you do that, there's moments of complacency. And I think the thing that, that kind of kept them, you know, afloat is definitely winning those hustle areas, like, you know, rebounding, they killed them in that area. I think, I can't, I think they had, was it 19 more than they did or what was the math? I don't even uh, well, they had remember, but they had 19 second chance points, so 19 was, second chance yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, and they just, they just, there was, there were a few areas in the game that they had a lot of control over, um, and they dominated in. So I felt like that kept them, like I said, afloat, but yeah. Were you surprised, I guess, uh, that, I don't know, just from the first game. Cause, uh, there were two areas that I felt like were pretty important going into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, one was bench points last, you know, in the first matchup in Omaha, Marquette, uh, won that 25 to five. So that's pretty dominant right there. Um, yeah. And then offensive rebounding, obviously I don't think the second chance points weren't like, I think it was only, I think Creighton was only minus four in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marquette had 14 second chance points and it's not just that Marquette got second opportunities and was able to score off some of them. It's that when, when they're getting offensive rebounds, that's Creighton, that's limiting Creighton's opportunities to run. So, oh yeah, 100%. yeah you know what I mean? so it's 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 not yeah. that it's 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 sometimes it's a win for opposing teams to create those uh you know those 30 second to 55 second possessions because mm-hmm. you just kill Creighton's flow yeah you know, they, they want they want they want our their first shot defense to be really good they want to mm-hmm. get that rebound and go and then that kind of gets them yeah. rolling into a rhythm so even if Marquette wasn't efficient with their second chance opportunities in Omaha just the fact that they were getting them at a, at a high rate um, yeah, you know, yeah. Even though Creighton scored 84 points, it still killed Creighton's rhythm at times. I mean, they went yeah. low in that game. Yeah, that killed your legs too. Like if you're you you think about like who who would you say guards the best players? You know, for the most part. Um, well, wings are Denzel Mahoney usually guards the best yeah. wing, and then you know Christian and Kalkbrenner. If there's a dominant post player, mm-hmm. they're kind of stuck with that matchup. Um, yeah. So just think about for we'll say Mahoney, like you're you're asked to do, you know, a lot on offense, on the offensive end. Mm. Um, but your job is to stop, you know, the best player. And you have to do that for, like you said, potentially 55 seconds. If you guys don't get a rebound, um, how much did that impact him offensively, right. you know, and how much is that, especially towards the end of the game? Um, so it's just that, I think we talked about that last time a little bit is the time of possession um, and, yeah. and how much it can impact your legs and just the flow um, any opportunities to get the ball out and run uh, the way that we're able to flourish in. So, yeah, that's killer. So we we definitely made a big improvement in that category. Because it's different. Is it like – because different muscles are firing, right? So it's not like – it's not like a time of possession in football where you have different squads mm-hmm. doing different things. Like right. if the offense is on the field, time of possession <laughs> doesn't really matter to them. It's about efficiency, right? Right. Um, right. But for basketball, it's the same guys doing the same thing. So the five mm-hmm. guys that are going to be on offense are the ones who are on defense. So if those possessions yeah. on defense are longer, it does wear into those legs a little bit. And then on top of killing rhythm, you know, it just it, it just breaks up everything that Creighton wants. To oh, do, yeah. Which is they want to play. They want to they don't want 30 second possessions necessarily for themselves. You know, they want to find a great shot as quick as possible and play with a lot of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, defensively they want you taking if you're going to if you're going to try to pound the ball into the court and take the take the wind out of their sails they want it 30 seconds or less still because they don't want right. you making second shots opportunities and right. getting two shots per possession and using 60 seconds of the shot clock drawing fouls getting yep. to the free throw line like clunking up the game you know just exactly. breaking up all that rhythm and flow yeah and i think it's even more magnified with with Creighton because um we're so active defensively. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you felt there the difference or you could tell the difference of um, our activity versus Marquette's activity defensively. Like 
we're hard, hard in the gap. You know, even if the player who's not guarding the ball is they're they're really, really working hard to do something to impact the play. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, nothing against Marquette, but they're a little bit more like you're on an island. You kind of you you take care of yours, and you know, if they come your way, they'll try to you know make a play as far as you know just hedge at them or or try to disrupt the dribble. But they're not doing what Creighton does. Like if you watch, for instance, Marcus, if he is even if when he's guarding a really good player, when that ball is passed, like that kid is in the gap hard. Um, and I think that 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 takes even more of a toll on you defensively because you're you're required to participate at a higher level, regardless of if you're guarding the ball or not. So every single one of these guys is really active. On top of that, these guys are all asked to do. Um, whatever they're asked to do offensively. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of where when you when you don't rebound. Yeah, so that's the, definitely one huge key. I mean, Marquette went. For, I think Marquette had 14 offensive rebounds in the first matchup. They had four today. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a that, that, major I mean, that's, improvement. That might be one of Creighton's best defensive rebounding performances of the season, especially. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think they always rebound well defensively against St. John's, but I don't think St. John's crashes a glass as much against them because they're so worried about the transition game. Mm-hmm. That's usually a matchup where you see Creighton's defensive rebounding percentage, like in the eighties for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at today, holding Marquette to four, uh, four offensive rebounds and four second chance points. Um, that's, that's, that's the ball game right there. I mean, essentially, yeah, that's, because, that's, that's like, major. Especially when they, you see that they won by three. So, you see that they won by three and look at like we talked about the Kansas game back when we first talked about it, Uh Um, how much those like little, those little possessions matter. Those little moments, those Uh little plays, that little stuff. Yeah. You add all that up. Creighton had 11 offensive rebounds. They turned into 19 second chance points. First of all, Mm -hmm. it's incredible efficiency on your second chance opportunities. And then holding Marquette to four and four, one point per possession on only four second chance opportunities and you win by three. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. owe, you owe that dub to that area of the game. Seriously. That, you were, you were yeah. dominant in that area. Yeah. And you needed every single one of them. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think the other area that, that they were really impressive in is their execution as far as um, taking advantage of matchups in the paint. Um, so mm-hmm. whenever they would, Marquette would have to switch, um, whether it's Marcus coming off the, you know, off the ball screen and being able to isolate the bigger player, or the post, um, or vice versa, they're throwing it to their, their bigs. And, and like I said, the, the activity level on Marquette versus Creighton is just, to me was night and day. Like when they caught the ball in the post, I felt like there was a swarm, you know, sometimes at the expense of, of losing a shooter where they were able to kick it out and, and get a pretty decent shot um, on our end. But like for, for us, I felt like it was kind of like some one-on-one um, going on in there. You know, there was, we had some really, really good looks in the paint and for us to be 42 points in the paint and then 28, I think that's also pretty impressive um, for, you know, just what we were able to do with those pick and rolls and taking advantage of mass matchups. Yeah, it was a little bit unusual, especially in the second half. It felt like it was just like you said, Creighton was taking advantage of Marquette switching defense and attack, attacking those mismatches. You saw Marcus attacking yeah. Dawson Garcia a lot. That's like a one 
a one five one four situation right there. He gets a post defender yep. on him on the perimeter, and he takes him inside, goes into goes right to the rim. Yeah, um, you saw that beautiful that beautiful spin move by Ryan Kalkbender, great footwork. Mm-hmm. In the post. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mouse in the house. And he kind of felt yeah. him a little bit, you know, yeah. waited, waited to see if the double team was going to come then, you know, spun mm-hmm. to his right and dunked it. I mean, that's yeah. a pro, that's a pro level move. Yeah. Right that now. was a nice, that was a really nice play. Yeah. But there was, there was matchups like that all the time. I mean, and Creighton only, Creighton didn't hit any, any threes in the second half. They were over for four. I think they were total in the second half. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Jeez. So it wasn't even like <laughs> yeah. Creighton was playing Creighton basketball to the fullest. They had, yeah. They, they were 0 for 4 from 3, and they weren't really forcing up a bunch of jumpers. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I think I only remember Denzel took one, Mitch took one, and I think Marcus took one, but they were all kind of staggered. They weren't really mm-hmm. – they didn't really find a situation where they were trying to force the three ball. Um, they did really – they were really methodical in terms of what they attacked in terms of matchups. And I think maybe that was something – I don't know if you, th- if you thought this, but it felt like to me Marcus was setting that tone pretty early in the game because you saw him probing a lot. Oh, yeah. He was Big going time, baseline, yeah. reversing the floor, keeping his dribble alive. Yeah. Um, you know, finding guys for that little, that little, I think he hit one three in the corner on that little exchange where he went all the way baseline. Uh-huh. against a big man, right? Takes the big, yep. bigger defender into the post, goes baseline, finds DJ. DJ cuts towards and the elbow. Marcus fills into the corner behind him, bang yep. three. Um, yep. There were a lot of moments like that where Marcus and Damian Jefferson and Mitch Ballack just by keeping their dribble alive. By probing mm-hmm. in the paint, they were able to find matchups that were that turned into easy buckets. And I think um, that's something that they probably didn't do very well against Georgetown, even though they scored 79 points. You know, the mm-hmm. 15 turnovers, they kind of forced a lot of stuff. Like yeah. They got in there and then they left their feet and tried to make plays mm-hmm. in the air and yep. a lot of errant passes. It felt like they were more yeah. methodical, more patient. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they play with a better – they didn't get too sped up in there, you know what I mean? Like – when the defense, yeah. when the defense collapsed on him and it got congested, just keeping that dribble alive um, and getting to certain spots allowed them to find the passing lanes to make easy ones. Because I think they only ended up with what eight turnovers for the whole game. Am I get that right, or maybe I? Uh, I think so. Actually, let me see what they finish up with. Ten. Yeah. So the uh, seventeen to ten assist to turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's winning basketball for the Jays. They'll take that. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's a wonderful part of their stat sheet. Um, no, I, I totally agree. I thought, I thought um, one of the things that was glaring to me, not that I, I don't think that they've, they've done this in the past, but it was actually a little more, more noticeable today is I felt like they were okay with taking that, whether it was that extra dribble or that extra step to get a better angle on their finishing, you know, like, there was a there was a play where uh, Damian Jefferson, where he kind of it was a transition. He took a bump and he could have easily, you know, decided to pick the ball up and you know take a tougher, uh, tougher two. But he just kept going. He, they, they were all just kind of like trucking in there, as if they, I mean that might have been the game plan um, because Marquette is less gap heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been the game plan where they just like you got to get to the rim and actually get to the rim. Um, but I just felt like they were in there to drive in or they were, you know, driving on a mission. They were, they were trying to really, really get to the rack and um, yeah, it translated pretty good. I wish they could draw some damn fouls doing that. I know. I hate to talk about this every <laughs> podcast. I swear if people who have been, who have been with me for the long haul, they know I'm going on like 10 years of this where I haven't been like a big refs guy. I hardly talk about these people, but this year it is like, I, I don't know if I'm changing or if they're just worse. 
driving well, you I crazy. can't I can't I try to go into every game like going all right be patient just happy thoughts they're gonna mm-hmm. suck just ignore it other things happen yeah. in the game. but they're just so bad I just can't get <laughs> over it anymore it's like hard they they'll make like just a stupid awful call and I'm just like here yeah. I go here I go yeah. I mean have you ever seen a player roll his ankle on the jump ball? Because the ref just like I oh my gosh, I was so frustrated there. with that. He just but he was so there. casual. Yeah, he was so casual. And I was like, I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, is that that's not normal for them to be in there and just like no. he was just chilling. Like he usually wasn't they even throw, usually they throw the jump ball and they like panic out of there, like the freaking <laughs> yeah. house is on fire. That's usually how it goes. I and was, the dude he threw the I jump ball up and then he just kind of was like. Just hung like, out, sidestepped like an inch or two, and then Christian just like steps on him. It's like, what are you doing there, man? Oh my goodness, he needs to be fined. Serious, no I just don't get it anymore. So that that was like yeah. seven seconds into the damn thing. Yeah, that, I was so I was really my nervous. Mindset, my mindset's like, all right, just ignore the refs. They're gonna be bad today. Just you've seen it all already. And then they right away off the jump, they show me something I haven't seen yet. It's like, good lord, people. <laughs> When is someone just going to address this oh, elephant in the room already? I know. <laughs> Honestly. It's like, uh, what else can we see? Yeah, that was that was bizarre, man. I couldn't I couldn't believe that. Yeah, and then Alex gets teed up for Tawny Marquette's bench. That was weak. They, I'm like, I'm like hold up. Is Marquette's bench talking? Because, like, if they're yeah. talking and you know they're talking, shouldn't they get teed yeah. up too? I don't understand how. Right. I was certain that he, like, flicked them off or something no, for that pointed. call. I know. And yeah, I'm like, they show it. I'm like, is this it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, oh, that was Marquette's only points down the stretch there. Like that, that tech, those technical <laughs> free throws. So yeah, I guess they had to get, give them something. Um, <laughs> well, that brings me to another thing. Uh, we talked about the bench points earlier. Um, today was what did Creighton's finish with in bench points? Bench Seven, points. 17, 14. So they were plus three today after being minus 20 in Omaha. So they were minus 20 in a five point loss today. They were plus three in a three point win. So again, you want to talk about the things that just add up to the, to your, to yeah. your margin of victory. Um, you can isolate bench points right away. Cause Ryan Kalkbrenner came in when Christian Bishop got taken out by a referee. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, Ryan <laughs> yep. came right in. I think he scored six points, four rebounds, a block shot in that first stint, that first stint alone. He had all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he finished in double figures with 11, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, 11 and 5, had a block shot. Um, only missed one shot, I think. And then Alex O'Connell, when Marquette, I think, was on pretty good, I mean, maybe their best offensive rhythm of the day, where they started to put some possessions together and um, score against Creighton's defense. They built that six point lead, and then Alex O'Connell comes right in, bang, bang, three back to back possessions after Creighton. Yeah, that was stops. huge. Humongous mm-hmm. momentum shift. Yeah. Especially to get that from your bench. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. And that's and that's where I feel like Creighton has a chance to be, um, to get even you know be become better a better program obviously just because, you know, every game you kind of have the kids where you know what you're going to get out of them, um, but there's always a lot of question marks with your bench because it's hard to it's 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 obviously a lot more unpredictable, um, and there's so many variants there's so many factors that can impact of who's the first sub and who they're matched up with. And as soon as, you know, like there's, there's just a lot more um, that can impact their play. And if you get some kids confident who are coming off the bench, that's when it's really hard because that drop-off isn't as steep. Um, you know, there's, there's been teams in the past where once you sub after player six, there's a humongous drop-off 
Um, and that's, that's what you got to make up for as far as like your guys are getting tired. You got to sub, you got to make sure you get, you know, keep those other guys fresh. But, um, if Creighton can create some consistency with those guys that came in and, and were efficient today, um, they will, they'll, they'll be a nightmare, you know, once it gets to tournament time. Well, I mean, we talked about this on the last pod and it's become kind of an issue that's hard to ignore anymore. Um, when you think back to last year, because everybody is, everybody keeps asking, kind of in different ways, what's missing from this group that that they had last year, and I mean there are a few answers to that, but one that's kind of become glaring at this point is, you took away Tyshawn Alexander, who we know now, is NBA caliber, right? He's in the league, mm-hmm. so whether he didn't get the accolades he deserved at the end of the year, you know, whether it be defensive player of the year or biggies player of the year or whatever it may be, that's a big cog out of the first rotation that's starting the unit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You replaced him with your sixth man of the year in the entire league. So not only did you, you, you I think everybody can't coming in assumed, okay, the starting five might be a wash if Denzel can produce, which he has. So right. maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself, all right, so that starting five kind of, you know, maybe if Denzel isn't on Tyshawn's level, it's not a huge drop-off. Um, he's right there with him in terms of what he can do offensively and defensively. So, but if that's a wash, you haven't replaced Denzel's production off the bench yet. Mm-hmm. Because Denzel went from sixth man, you went from having a sixth man of the year in the whole league off your bench. Yeah. Putting him in the starting lineup and you have not replaced that yet. Right. So you're talking about where is Creighton's ceiling to me, mm-hmm. I think it's attached to whatever they get off their bench this year. One hundred percent. And then the reason I'm tr- I'm starting to wonder about their ceiling is because it's getting kind of late in the game for that bench to get some camaraderie and build some rhythm in terms of who you know you can trust in mm-hmm. in the hottest fire, right? Like, right. So today, Alex was really good, but it, that hasn't been consistent. He's been he was good against St. John's at home, and he was good today but it hasn't mm-hmm. been consistent. Antoine hasn't been consistent. Antoine Jones hasn't been consistent. So there's, there's been a little bit of up and down performances there. Um, yeah. But today was a step in the right direction for that bench because, like we said, Kalkbrenner was a major factor. And then Sharif Mitchell's defense at the end of the game, basically um, picking – I mean, he knocked the ball out of DJ. Yeah, that was a couple wonderful. Times, yeah. Took him off his yeah. main – took him off his main spot, you know, yeah. made him give it up. Um, yeah, did his job. Yeah, so like that's – I mean, he's kind of their closer defensively when you look back at the DePaul game when they went yep. offense for defense with Mitch. And mm-hmm. um, and then again today with the stop he had down the stretch in that final possession. I think – you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Creighton's ceiling is tied to that bench production. Whoever it is that steps up and turns into a reliable game-to-game ro- – a game-to-game piece like Denzel mm-hmm. was last year. Um, mm-hmm. that's going to determine how, how far this Creighton team can go. Do you, do you agree or disagree or what do you Yeah. Say? Yeah. And I think, and I think Denzel, he's unique because he's, he's so talented and that's, it's probably rare to have a guy like that coming off of the, you know, your bench For because sure. he's, he could be a starter at a lot of places right. or could have been a starter last year at a lot of places. But, um, so with that being the case, like I think the, 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 the thought process in my mind is it's gotta be by committee. Um, you know, it's, it's gotta be because you never know what you need. Um, today you needed, you needed Cockbrander to be really good in the post. Um, because they, because you have, are surrounded by shooters, they're not able to gap hard and, and disrupt the post play. So you got to finish in the one-on-one plays. And he did that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
when in another game, maybe Sharif's role is way more important and maybe, you know, O'Connor or O'Connell's, you know, uh, role is a little different or more important. So like, I think it's just about the preparation aspect and them realizing the importance of their roles. Um, and I'm sure they do, they understand that, but it's, it's a hard role to come off the bench and not know for sure, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're not, you, you don't, you got to find your rhythm. Starters, you, know that, you know what that's like as a player? Did you ever come off the bench? Oh, heck yeah. I, came oh, off no, the I thought you were PG one from the drop, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah, I came off the bench, but hey, I had I had zero conscience, so I, I didn't have those issues at all. <laughs> oh, we know. No, you're good. It's it's uh it's it's it has something to do with what I'm talking about. But I'm I, I just think it's hard to perform at a consistent level coming off the bench and with with so much unpredictability there's one thing it's one thing if like every single time you play a game you're going to come in at 12 minute mark and you know that you know mm-hmm. um whereas today Cockburner had to come off the bench what how many not even two seven, seconds into the seven game seconds yeah seven seconds into the game probably didn't even so, like sitting down you know right he's down. probably thinking like okay i got about you know four or five minutes to mm-hmm. see what's going on and like gauge what I but it, but it, it's just about being prepared being ready to do whatever the role is because your role shifts Marcus's role is going to stay very consistent yep. Christian Bishop's role is going to stay very consistent um you know a lot of those those the, the starters in general I think are going to stay way more consistent than the than the bench role is um so they just have to realize it and it just takes time um but yeah, I definitely agree when you say like you 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 have to have a good bench. You can't have that drop off. Uh, that margin for error is too small, especially in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I th- I think it's there. It's just a matter of it clicking. I mean, there's just when you look at it, there's just so many hours on these legs now because they've played 14 Big East games, and like we, we've talked about the bench has been inconsistent. So that a lot has been asked of that starting five. Mm-hmm. Um, they've played 14 big East games. Villanova's played seven. Oh man. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's they played twice. Wow. Think of how much more is on their legs right now because they've been, because yeah. they've been COVID free. So they've been active the whole time. Practices, travel mm-hmm. games. The grind has been, the grind is probably affecting Creighton more than anybody in the league because they have the most games in. Now, everybody, not everybody is as dramatic as that, but you, you look at the top of the league, Villanova's at seven games, Creighton's at 14, Xavier's at six in league play. Oh, my goodness. Uh, UConn just played their eighth league game, and they've had two or three shutdowns. Um, DePaul, all these teams that have had multiple shutdowns. Wow. Uh and you look at Creighton, you're like, man, they need. I feel like they need a break because they're just like getting worn down. Because are you are you saying you want them to get COVID? No, good lord, <laughs> that's insane. <I'm> no, <laughs> no, I do not want them to test positive. What I what I was thinking last uh, game, and Jacob kind of talked me off the ledge of this a little bit. Uh, was right around Christmas, I think the whole league, there was kind of a ripple effect. First, Villanova made the decision, and St. John's followed suit with their game against mm-hmm. the Wildcats, and then, like, everybody else kind of uh, follow, fall in, fell in line with that for the most part of just thinking, man, we got to get these guys home to their families. They haven't seen these people in a long time. Like, let them enjoy the holidays, and, you know, we'll we'll take – we'll reset and figure out what happens after mm-hmm. that if, if we have to go into a pause or 
you know, if that's a mistake, we'll live with it. Um, yeah. But just let them let them get a break. And it feels like Creighton's just in that mode right now and more so than most. Because like I said, the disparity yeah. in games played, I can't help but add that math up and go, man, I mean, are these teams in some weird way going to be fresher in March than Creighton is? Because Creighton's essentially going through a – Right now, they have a full slate ready for them. 20 games are going to be ready and done if they stay COVID-free. I don't think Xavier Xavier's not getting half that, maybe. And yeah. Villanova might not get much more. So, yeah, I'm wondering, like, what, what, what's, what does that look like for a team going into March with, like, um, you know, 10, 15 games under their belt? Uh, really, how much, how much more fresh are they compared to a team with, like, mm-hmm. 25 or 30? I don't right. know what I don't know what that looks like because it's never happened before, but I can't imagine yeah. it's not an advantageous situation for the team with fewer games. <laughs> I just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like wear and yeah, tear I is mean, a real thing, right? Oh, for sure, wear and tear is 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 very real. And again, um, with Creighton playing the style that they play, that's mm-hmm. that's gonna even again magnify that situation. Um, but I I don't know. I my perspective is that you almost have to flip it. You almost have to flip it because the amount of things that you learn from yourself from different experiences mm. on film uh, can make the difference between an NCAA win and not, yeah. you know, and because once you get to the point where you're at the tournament time and like shit's on the line, I feel like that's when your body doesn't matter. You know, really? it's, 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 yeah, you, you're, you're, you have so much adrenaline. It's just, you're going off of experience. Mm. Um, and I think that Creighton has an opportunity to take advantage of their experiences, struggle, you know, the freaking game, which game was it where they came back and it was wild? Um, Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. Like, to me, those are great wins. They, they scare the hell out of you, but there's so many good things that are going to come out of that because in those timeouts and those huddles in the game, you're saying, remember when, the, you know, or you're thinking about those, scenarios that you've been through already mm-hmm. and you've and you've won in those scenarios so you have more confidence and I just think um if if I'm their coaching staff that's how I'm looking at it I'm trying to spin it and I'm trying to make it to where you see the positive in it um but there's no question that the legs and the wear and tear and the season's going to be longer for them but um the nice thing is that we we do have you know a lot of experience on the team um and I think that's going to end up helping them in the long run. Yeah. And I should say they do have an 11 day break coming up. And after they played Georgetown Tuesday on the road, mm-hmm. then they come home, they play Villanova for the first time on Saturday at home. And then after that, I don't think they play again till the 27th, maybe. Oh, that'd be great. Or 24th. Yeah. 24th is when it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they play Villanova the day before Valentine's day. Then they're off till the 24th right now as the schedule. Okay. Now I don't know okay. if the big East is going to change that, to, they freaking you know, better leave Creighton yeah, alone. Fill some, fill, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, if the Big East is going to try to find some fill-in games for these teams that have missed, they better not mess with Creighton <laughs> yeah, to, find, to get seriously. them in. So that's all yeah. I'm saying about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, one last thing I wanted to hit on maybe before we get into questions was because I, I, I didn't. I, this is my bad because I didn't notice it until it was a thing to me, like mm-hmm. in the midway through the second half, and then the kid got going towards the end. So it, it, I didn't really get to register how Creighton was slowing him down. But Dawson Garcia, um, Marquette's stud freshman, was I think he had 14 points and 10 boards in Omaha, six offensive rebounds. He was just an animal. Mm-hmm. 
uh, made huge plays to help him win that game. Uh, Damian Jefferson shut him down tonight. And I was kind of wondering, I don't know if you um, saw how, I think, you know, Mac talked about in the post game that, you know, there were some situations where DJ was fronting the post and not letting him get easy touches. Um, Mm -hmm. But he was a non-factor until they got into desperation mode, really. He hit that. Yeah. I think he hit, uh, he had a drop-off layup that he scored on. And then he hit a big three from way deep that I think um, Creighton got caught in between a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it's a shot they necessarily hate him taking because he was like, no, heck yeah, you did that all day. Yeah. Um, But he knocked it down. So, I mean, he finished with eight points and six boards in 32 minutes. Yeah. So, as opposed to 14 in Omaha with six offensive rebounds. So, I I don't know what you saw, what you were able to see in terms of how Creighton slowed him down or Mm -hmm. if Marquette just didn't find him and it broke his rhythm and he just wasn't aggressive uh, after a certain point. But I yeah. thought that was a big key to the game was DJ, um, you know, kind of icing him a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it's just a testament to, and again, I think we talked about this a little bit against Kansas. Creighton, they have a lot of discipline. You know, their mm. their guys are very freaking disciplined. So fronting the post as, as simple as it was so team. surprising because that was like a non-disciplined game. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but like you look at like their just their their habits like on a fast break layup if if a guy is running you know hip to hip they they they're straight up they keep their plane on their contests um, obviously there's there's the moments here and there where they you know have you know brain farts and they they do something out of character but like in general if you think about the role or the job of fronting the post it's about moving your feet it's about being disciplined with your hands and and I think. I think when you do that, um, you do a good job of that early. I think it discourages one, the passer from, from looking there later on, but two, the person Garcia. Okay. So you're, you're, you're not going to work nearly as hard as maybe you would if you got a couple easy baskets early. Um, so I, I, that's, I think that's what Damian Jefferson does. He's just locked freaking in and he just, you can just tell whatever the scout says, he's like a robot and he does it and he's, um, really good at just being disciplined. I don't know if I, I can't. You know, we, we last talked during the Kansas game on this on this podcast. Uh, what's what what have you made of DJ's like kind of assert you know emergence this year? Um, I mean, when you look at his line in some of these games, and it's just like, what is what does Creighton look like without this dude right now? I mean, I know. I think and he it's was crazy. at thirteen, eight, six, two steals, only a couple turnovers, <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, he is just like a, a do everything guy on the floor. No, I know, and it's it's awesome because um, the I, I will be the first to admit is I, I didn't really notice him. He's he's like he's like a sneaky, really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a while to recognize all of the things and ways that he contributes to a game. Um, but once this year started, it was like clear. But you can just tell he's got he's just got a very different type of uh, mentality Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to just execution. He is like a freaking executioner. And he you can just there's some players where uh, it's quick for them to translate. Right. So like some kids are just super athletic and they're really talented and they just can go off instinct. And I know DJ has instinct. But what I'm saying is when you write a scout and you give a player a role, um, it's not easy to just to do that role. One, when you get tired. Uh, two, when you have a whole bunch of things going on in your mind. And then three, like 
all the other things that could come into your mind when you, when you're playing in the game, like there's just a lot of factors. Um, DJ doesn't seem to get impacted by freaking anything. So I, I feel like his consistency is his best leadership characteristic. Um, so those, those guys are freaking hard to replace, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you see what he's doing and you look at the stat sheet by the end of the game, you're like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. he had a, he had a way better box score than I would have, I would have thought. I knew he played well, but I didn't know he played that well. Well, I just think it's crazy because um, you're watching him. You're like, wow, he's got his imprint all over this thing. I mean, yeah, he's a board here and offensive rebound there. He made a nice yeah. play. To, like I said, we talked about the play where, um, he just drove to the elbow and it opened up the corner mm-hmm. for Marcus and he turns right around. Yep. Easy, simple, like, easy yep. back to Marcus bang three. Yep. Like, that, yeah. Those plays he makes those and you're like, yeah. wow. And then you look at the box yeah. score and they add up. You're like, Oh wow. Right. He made a lot of those <laughs> plays. You're right. That makes sense. You know, yeah. it's not like one of those. He doesn't have a lot of flash. Yeah. He's taking yeah. over some games, but it's uh-huh. mostly just a smart play here, a smart play there, a hustle yep. play there. And then you look down at the stat sheet and you're like, Oh wow. He's adding yep. it up. Well, I was hoping he would have yammed on that. Uh, on who was it that he almost yammed <laughs> on? That was, he tried to get him. Back oh my him. god, that would have been wild. Um, so he has these moments of flair and like these mm-hmm. wow moments, but his game is so like it's it's just so steady. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of what I'm saying with with the starters versus the bench players. It's like for the most part, you know what you're going to get out of out of DJ, you know, mm-hmm. you if Marcus, when he's healthy, you know, what he's, you're going to get out, you know, get out of him. Um, Christian Bishop, those guys, but like, yeah, that's, that's a value that a lot of people don't realize um, just being consistent. And it's not it, easy to replace either. I think that's why I, I keep thinking, no. I keep trying to think ahead of time. Cause I get asked this a lot. Like what does Creighton's future look like? And I just think, mm-hmm. I don't know if people know yet, how or if they're ready to acknowledge it how hard it is going to be to replace Damian Jefferson Mm -hmm. it's you know it's not like he's it's not a knock against anybody else by Mm -hmm. saying that it's just like you know you know what Denzel gives you in terms of that number one score so I think it's I don't know this is probably a stupid way to say it but I feel like it's easier to say you're our guy go be the number one scorer we're going to give you we're going to run some stuff for you we're going to get you a lot of shots um when you know, replacing Marcus. Marcus is a great player, but if you're if you're the point guard, you know your role. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, a, a guy like Mitch is going to be tough to replace too because he does so many things that you just don't you can't really teach. It's like really instinctual, and once you mm-hmm. have a guy like that, it's just you know you got a shot because they're going to do the right thing most of the time. Damian right. Jefferson is that dude with right. NBA athleticism. Right. So it's like yeah. I don't think people realize how hard he's going to be to replace because yeah. he's tough as nails. He's incredibly talented. He's got great mm-hmm. basketball instincts and he's athletic mm-hmm. as all get out. Mm-hmm. That's just a complete, he's a, he's a complete yeah. basketball player. And I don't think, I don't know if people are ready to acknowledge um, just how difficult that's going to be once he's gone. Like it's not yeah. going to be, because I think everybody's excited about the freshman class they have coming in next year. Yeah. It's beastly, Especially when but... you think about Kalkbender not having to lose his eligibility yeah. from this year. So you're like, wow, yeah. they're bringing in a lot of talent. I'm just like, hang on there. Because yeah. Damian Jefferson's a grown ass man, and and he knows <laughs> yeah. it, and he knows it on top of it. So right. when you have a grown ass right. man who knows he's a grown yeah. ass man and can do those things on the court, that is extremely yeah. hard to replace without having dudes basically just become that over the. It takes years to do it. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's why and, you're seeing it this year. So it's just, Oh, it's for sure. And, and on top of that, like, kind of like what I was saying, like it, it's a mentality because could he, could he choose to take a, a couple of questionable shots here and there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He could. Um, but he doesn't usually, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he, that's a choice because he easily could make those other choices that a lot of kids with his athleticism, his ability, his opportunity on the, the amount of time that he's on the floor that he could do it. Um, but to me, that just, that tells me a lot about his mentality. He's like team, 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 win, win, win. Um, and so he's willing to be whatever he's, he's willing to do the dirty work. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll do whatever it takes. Um, that's what and I mean. Yeah, like there's finding not... a guy who's willing to do that is not. Yeah, easy. that's good. You can't to just be tough. ask someone to do it because nah. they, it's not something that's inherently. I don't know. You just you, when you watch players when they're young, they just don't. They either don't get it or they don't see the value mm-hmm. in it for them. Um, right. Or they just feel like it's just it'll take care of itself. Yeah. I'll say I'll say the right things when the coach tries to ingrain it in mm-hmm. me, but I'm not really going to commit to it. I mean, right. you, you didn't see Tyshawn become an NBA player until he committed to being a dog. Right. So he's like, Hey, look, 100%. I'm going, I mean, it started that whole that early in that junior year, you know, when, when Davion went down, even before Davion went down, Tyshawn was really good defensively in those practices. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. he's different, you know? Yeah. And, you, and you go up and talk to him. You're like, are you trying to be that guy? Like to, you know, like, you know, Marcus Howard, miles power, getting a lot of pub this year. Are you, you know, are you geared up to kind of go shut those guys water off and stuff? And he was like, he played it cool. He's like, no, I'm just doing my thing. And then, like, halfway – once he finally got his hands on him, I think it was, like, mm-hmm. after that first game against Marquette where he shut off. I mean, he was all over Marcus Howard. Yeah, I and remember you're, And I was just like – I was just like, come on, man, you're lying to me. Like, you went into that game as a killer. Like, that was not scouting yeah. report. You know what I mean? You went you went in and you're like, I'm, I'm taking Marcus Howard's soul, basically. Right. And you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm ready to shut – I'm not letting those dudes get anything this year. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. The switch went off for him. Yep. So I mean, like, yeah. think about his first two years versus his third. It's not even the same player, right? Right. Not the same player, right? So that's no, I, I you look at Damian Jefferson right now. It's like that's only with maturity, with experience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like you can talk about give me recruiting rankings all day, and you could be excited about all these dudes from a talent perspective. I'm telling you, that nothing, nothing brings a dog matter. out like that until nah. they're, until they're in the fire. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree, and. And you can honestly, I mean, it, it, it goes on both, both sides. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking about Tyshawn's defense, but I'm like, I'll just say this. I think I, I feel really um, good about Sharif's future. Um, he's one of those guys. I know, I know that he's not super consistent right now, which I think is fairly normal for players of his size and, and speed and, mm-hmm. you know, his, his, his type of game. But um, it just takes, like you're saying, there's a switch. And I, I, I normally feel like it comes about your junior year um, after you've kind of been through a lot of the bumps. Um, but you talk about a kid that could flip it. You know, you're hoping that it, it, it clicks for him. Because if you watch today, for instance, like obviously he made an awesome play at the very end, but you could tell he was sped, out, sped up early in the game offensively. Um, and you just know that once that kid finds his pace and figures, figures out that he's, you know, obviously a really good talented scorer, he's trying to do what he's asked to do. And it's, I think he's, I think just being a smaller, quicker player, you feel like you have to make up for things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I just, I'm just excited for when he's um, more confident in himself offensively too, because I've seen that kid light it up. Like I remember watching him in high school. He, he played with um, a close, a close friend of mine's uh, nephew. And I, I just know his ceiling is ridiculous. So um, I'm excited for his, his switch to flip. Isn't, isn't some of that, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't some of that, you know what I think about today, just that goes along the lines of um, what you're talking about right there is he had a, he had, I think he was, I think it was, I don't know who he was playing off of. It might've been Marcus, a little, just a little kind of exchange at the top of the key and, mm-hmm. and two defenders went with Marcus. I might have the guy wrong. It might not be Marcus, but two guys went with the ball top of the key and Sharif was open on the wing and the pass was delivered right in the shooting pocket and he didn't hesitate. He shot it right away and it was online and it was, it looked good, but it was just a little long. It hit, it hit you know, back iron and, and bounced long. Mm-hmm. So, but he didn't miss by much. That was just mm-hmm. that, like, remember you were talking about this summer when we were doing that uh, Georgetown commentary, that's a good miss, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was a good miss, but Sharif's in a role where he's not going to get another one. Just I know. There's too many dudes. Yes. There's too many dudes yeah. that are getting shots right now, and it's just not mm-hmm. there for him. So I yeah. do think you're onto something there in terms of his potential yet to be realized offensively. I think mm-hmm. I think everybody thinks maybe they've seen what they're going to get out of Sharif, and I don't know if they should be doing that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when you're coming off the bench and you're playing a role, right now he's the defensive stopper. He's the energy guy off the bench. So his role to come off the bench right now is to heat up whoever's got the ball on the other side of the floor, make their life miserable, break their rhythm, kill their will, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's not coming in and trying to get buckets. That's that's yeah. That would be him playing out of his role and not letting the game come to <laughs> right. him versus what, right. how, how it's designed right now. So I do think exactly. you're onto something in terms of what he can be potentially uh, more of an impact player offensively. You saw it a little bit in that St. John's game. I mean – Marcus mm-hmm. is a late scratch uh, with the hamstring. Shreve's going to come in um, and play against one of the toughest um, pressure defenses you'll face in that league. And he mm-hmm. comes right in and, and bangs that three first possession tone setter. I yeah. mean, he's capable of that. So don't, don't, oh, yeah. don't like don't write sleep, him. Don't sleep don't, on Shreve. Yeah. Don't write yeah. him off yet as yeah. an off, as, a, as, a, as an impact player offensively. Because yeah. when you have that dog in you, and he does, mm-hmm. we've he seen it defensively. When you have that dog mm-hmm. in you, it's with you every day. So right. it's in it's in his workouts, it's in his practice yep. habits, it's in everything he does. He is committed to being the best basketball player he can be. And that with that comes offense. So mm-hmm. and, and all the skill work that comes with that. So he's a worker. So I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on him if he goes 0 for one or 0 for two in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and has like no assists and one turnover, and you think, well, he's not giving you anything offensively. He's not in that role right now, so right. you gotta just kind of like wait a minute to see what he is, because the opportunities are going to be there for him going forward, um, more than they are right now. Like I said, that was Absolutely. that, that yeah. one shot he had today was right on line. He just missed it by a yeah. little bit, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get second chances though, because that's just right. There's exactly. too many shots for Marcus, Mitch, Denzel, Damian, Christian. Yeah. Like when you're sixth, I mean, Kalkbrenner, when you're sixth or seventh in shots taken, it's hard for you to get a second <laughs> yeah. opportunity, right? You got to make the most it of what totally you get. It totally is. And when yeah, that and happens, who knows? sample, si- sample sizes in. can go south on you when that happens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And who knows? Like the, 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 we used to always talk about this, but like 
sometimes it would freaking suck because the first the the first possession you're in, you're wide freaking open for a shot and you yeah. haven't touched the ball one time and you haven't ran up and down the court once. Right. Um, so you're just unlucky. And that's what I mean about that rhythm. Um, and, and to your point about, you know, just like how many times have you seen a guy that's been in the conference or in the league or wh- whoever we play consistently and all of a sudden they're like beast in their junior year or senior mm-hmm. year or whatever it is. When the, I, when the, when the, when the, when the role changes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe that's, I, I totally, I totally believe that's in Sharif. Um, because like I said, I've, I've seen that you, you can tell a guy who has a natural ability to score. And I think the most impressive thing not to be all over Sharif um, tonight, but like, I think the most impressive thing about him is his willingness to be that role player for now. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's hard. Think about where he's come from as far as like being the man and scoring who knows what in high school per mm-hmm. game and at the prep school. Like, I think that it takes a lot of ego um, or recognition of like who you are and, and less ego to be able to accept a role on a really good team. Um, because typically the, and it's not everyone, but typically the response is, okay, I'm not playing. I don't have a chance to play. I'm going to transfer, not, okay, what can I do to at least help my team? Um, so I think that just says a lot about him, but I, I, when, when thinking about Creighton's ceiling, I, I do see potential on him making a humongous, um, contribution, Mm. hopefully switches his, his, that, that switch here. Um, towards the end of this season I mean I think I think you're right in that maybe even if it's not Sharif I think it has to come from one of the wings mm-hmm. because there's so much on Mitch Marcus Denzel and, Dan- yeah. and DJ right now from just yeah. they're carrying so much of a load mm-hmm. it's, and and the only one who has some real uh, some consistent relief right now is Christian yeah which, which you know everybody has said throughout the years like man if Creighton can you ever get like a shot block in five think of how much will change um but also that's not really how their bread's buttered like that's a nice little luxury <laughs> for them to have but right. like you said you saw arguably their best basketball that they've played under greg mcdermott when they had f- six dudes mm-hmm. that, that, that could, they could throw at you that were just buckets they could, right you know what i mean <laughs> christian yeah. could take any five in from yeah the elbow down and get to the rim and score on them he could kill mm-hmm. him in those pick and roll situations. Marcus could light up any point guard. You know, you just go down the line, Mitch Tyshawn, and then DJ, and then oh, here comes Denzel off the bench. You don't have enough defenders to stop these weapons. So, mm-hmm. I think it has to come from one of those wings, like Antoine, yeah. Alex, Sharif. One of those guys um, has to produce for this team to uh, have a high ceiling. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's uh. Let's check out some of these questions here. Um, I'm not even sure if we got a bunch. I think we got we got a lot of responses. I don't know. Sometimes fights break out in my mentions, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I ask for questions, then one person asks a question, then another person answers it, and then everyone uh-huh. starts arguing. So like, I don't. I'm never quite sure what to think when I jump in here. So let's see how we go. Right. let's see how we go. Um, first one is from uh, Brian J. Uh, Thirteen seventeen. He wants to know, could we speak on, oh, okay, this is getting fire right away. Could we speak on the idiot fans that jump to blaming Mac after any bit of adversity? Yeah, that's the question. There's a lot of rambling here. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, okay. Speak to the idiot fans that jump 
to blaming Mac after any bit of adversity. Yeah, I don't. That's that's and that's just the name of the game, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. Did like do do you hear a lot of the chatter when you guys are going through slumps at all for at Creighton? Like, did it did it come yeah. your way at all, or how do you suppress? For sure. Um, or I don't do you know. Use, you do you use it? Be like, yeah, okay, let's stamp this to the bulletin board. <laughs> Honestly, I I feel like we wouldn't um, pay any attention to it because mm. the the reality is if there was like a camera that followed you in every practice, every meeting, every locker room pep talk, every halftime uh, adjustment, all these things, um, people would realize that it these your it's a lot more complicated than what it seems, you know, like you could tell a kid to do exactly what everybody else is on Twitter. It's like, Oh, they should have did X, Y, Z. Well, you have no idea what Mac drew up or you have no idea what the, what the kid thought he saw and the draw and, and someone made a mistake or whatever. Um, and I, I think it's just easy to have a perception of what's going on on the court with only so much information. Um, Analysts can do a great job. You know, a lot of people are doing a great job of covering the team and all that, but there's just so many more details in there. Um, some not shareable and people, you just never know. Um, and of course, coaches are going to mess up and there's going to be a lot of stuff where they, they're going to kick themselves when they get home. But mm -hmm. um, you would be surprised at the amount of things that are um, suggested on Twitter that are actually suggested in practices and in games and in scouts that's, i think that's the funny part for me that's you know yeah. i'm glad you said that because that's the funny part for me and it goes both ways because yeah over the years i have heard the criticisms of flan and mac and like mm -hmm. just their general philosophies mm -hmm. so when when you got like i think you know uh when the women's team will go to south dakota and like lose to south dakota they're like mm -hmm. why the hell are we losing to this this summit league team every year or whatever or why is it mm -hmm. such a battle how are we going to compete in the Big East if we can't beat some of the teams, yada, yada, yada? Mm -hmm. um, you know, why doesn't Flan do this with his bench? Why does, you know, all this kind of stuff? Like, the same right. thing with Mac. I hear the same things, and it's funny because I'm not trying to, like, appeal to authority here, and I know that's how it comes off sometimes. Um, it's just that I've I've been in those practices with you guys, and I've picked your brains, so I know mm -hmm. what you're thinking. I know why you're implementing certain things. And I know if something goes according to design or if something goes off script and if it's, if it's what you practice or not. So mm -hmm. it is funny to hear some of those criticisms that you're like, why don't they try this? Or why don't they do this? Or why don't they work on that? And you're just like, mm -hmm. they do. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 I yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's such a shitty answer too they don't want to hear anything about that they're just like because yeah. it's just like a, it's just two words and you're like yeah. well, what do you mean they do how do they do it i'm just like i don't know how to yeah. explain to you how they do it but everything you just yeah. said there has been like it's like a staple of the program it's that's how much they were oh yeah so that's the funny part about the criticism is in in most cases they're coming from a i understand where they're coming from it's a lot there's a lot mm -hmm. of passion in this fan base it does oh, yeah. have it is unique in certain ways because um, all these kind of programs built up their momentum at the same time. When you look at soccer, volleyball, mm -hmm. basketball, um, you know, baseball was probably a little bit ahead of the curve and yeah, maybe you can like, but even baseball, like if yeah. people get frustrated with baseball all the time because it's the same, it's the same, it, it looks the same with different players every year. And you're just wondering mm -hmm. 
you know, why don't they try this? Why don't they try that? And you're just, yeah. But I, again, on the basketball side of it, when it comes to Mac or Flan and the criticism of the, of the system or the philosophy and, and what they do in practices every day, um, they do do all the things you think. Yeah, they man. Do. Like, I swear to you, people, yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not like they coaches. There's the gray hair. Isn't because it's just, old <laughs> they don't yeah. sleep. They kick over every stone. They watch yep. film diligently. They study with players. They talk to players. Like they don't mm-hmm. leave any, they don't take anything for granted. I mean, yeah, they're, they're I mean, they're, they're, obsessed. they're, obsessed. they're obsessed. yeah, they're, their livelihood is on the line. I mean, mm-hmm. not that they couldn't get another job, but I'm saying like, if you lose this, it's, it's an opportunity for you to lose your, your job. And so like, that's what I would like for people to realize is if, if there could be, like I said, like a reality TV camera that, sh- that, that follows Mac or follows Flynn or whoever, and recognizes that these guys are at the gym in their office watching film mm-hmm. before anyone freaking wakes up and they're doing all this stuff and they're stressed and it's, um, and your, your life or your livelihood is dependent on 18 to 21 to 22 year old kids, you know? Um, and so with that, you're juggling, there's a lot of things. There's, there's just a lot of factors. So you think about, yeah, you got to get the scout, right. You got to make sure they're healthy. You don't know if so-and-so didn't practice and they, Mm -hmm. they took, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to do the scouting uh, section of practice because they turned their ankle this week or, um, they're going some, through some things mentally. That's a serious thing right now. You know, there's, there's, I would argue that 50 plus percent of my job was a uh, psychology. Or I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I can vouch. I've seen all those conversations where it's like, why is that kid crying as she walks away from yeah. the show? <laughs> but, so mean. And I, and who knows if it's the same on the guy side, but there's definitely mm-hmm. some of that, um, so you just never know. So that, that brain fart that that kid had isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Mac or Flynn or whatever didn't prepare. Um, because if you just look at the Kansas game, had they made free throws, no one is going to talk about the things that they should have practiced that week. Right. Other right. than free throws. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. there's one point it, win it, and that then all those yeah. things go away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, and I think we have, I, I, I love the Creighton fan base. Like, I think we have a very intelligent fan base, but like you said, like we, this is, it, it's a very passionate one. Um, I always can, I always like compare it, especially men's basketball to the NBA, you know, like I think we have the most or the closest representation of an NBA team in college mm. than any other good basketball program. We're not in a college town. We're actually in the city. Uh, we don't have any professional teams here to compete with. So everybody who likes basketball is pretty much a Creighton fan. And, mm-hmm. and you walk around with any of the men's basketball players, everybody freaking knows who they are. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very much so like an NBA fan base or not fan base, but just community. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes our expectations get um, somewhat unrealistic at times. And, and we're quick to put that stuff on social media and have our opinions. But you're, but you're hundred percent right in that. I think the thing that goes understated a little bit is because I've heard this a lot too, that like how much does winning matter to these people? Like they're getting paid, you know, X amount. Does it, do they still have their edge? And I'm like, I can't tell you how silly that is to me because there isn't, there isn't even a player on the roster who wants to win more than the, than the coaches. Like they Mm -hmm. are, you guys are, you guys are psychos. 
I mean, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I've never asked you this, but I kind of wonder <laughs> if that's why you're in a different role now. Like if you just had to get uh, for your I, own, for yeah. your own men, I know it was family related and you wanted to watch, you know, uh-huh. Kelly grow up and all that. I get it. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't wonder, I can't help but wonder if your mental health isn't in a lot better place right now, just because of the daily stress you don't have to deal with in terms of how do we not get our teeth kicked in by this team? How do we give ourselves a chance right. and all that kind of stuff? Like I can't. Yeah. Especially this year. I was talking to Linda the other day. She's like, Chev, you know, I think you picked the right time to get out because you would have right. lost your mind. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but like, you're right though. It's, yeah. it's, it's extremely stressful. It's extremely, it's a lot of pressure. If you're competitive, if you're not, you can probably, you know, fly a skeet by, but, yeah, um, but that'll weed itself out way before at this point. Right. Max oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, you can tell he's very competitive. He mm-hmm. holds his kid to a high standard and, um, you know that he's preparing. Like, I just think that you just have to, you have to have more faith. The, that that fan base that Brian's talking about, you have to have more faith in um, the coaching staff because they're yeah. freaking working their asses off and Here, it's a hard job. Here's one little anecdote I'll add to this before we move on. And I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this question as if put, try to put yourself in the mind of a fan and try to answer it. Mm -hmm. Who do you think, let's try to come at it this way. Which coach on campus right now, do you think, um, and this is funny because like Flan and this coach also talk about this a lot. So I'm almost laughing about it before I ask you, but which coach on campus do you think probably sleeps better than any of the others? Oof. That is a great question. Just try to put yourself in the mind of a fan. Who do you think has it just from the talent they got in the gym, the success rate? Um, who do you think probably has it, has it like easy from a stress level compared to others? Booth. Right. Yeah. So Kirsten Bernthal Booth, right. Has this juggernaut of a program, right? Mm-hmm. They're the best team on the floor. 95% of the time they play their matches, right? So you would probably think as an outsider that, yeah, works probably – every day is probably pretty easy for Kirsten Bernthal Booth, right? She shows up <laughs> in the gym. She has a lot of talent. Um, she develops it really well. And, you know, they'll have seasons where they'll, like, sweep, like, seven straight weekends and not right. lose a set. And it's like that that has to be so much fun that she can't possibly be under any stress, Right. I don't know how many people know this because she did say it on a podcast. So I'm not like revealing anything private here. She said it on a podcast, but I'm not sure how many people heard it. So after the, what year was it? 2017 or 2018, which year, whatever year Jaylee Winters and Taryn Cloth graduated. So Jaylee Winters and Taryn Cloth are going to be the two best hitters in Creighton volleyball history. Right. So, um, they went to a sweet 16 as freshmen. They went to an elite eight at as sophomores um, and then they hosted their junior and senior years and lost in the second round. I'm mm-hmm. telling you right now, Kirsten said, first of all, in the press conference after they got swept by Washington in 2018, which was the last match of Jaylee and Taryn's careers, mm-hmm. Kirsten was like breaking down in that presser. And she never does that. I mean, you'll never get her to crack like that. And you could see that it was really, that shook her bad, that, that loss. Cause they yeah. had, they kind of it went in reverse, right? They went sweet sixteen, elite yeah. eight, second round, second round. Usually it's yeah. second round, second round, sweet sixteen, elite eight, yeah. up right. The end of their careers ended at a low at an earlier stage than the beginning. So, 
it broke her up and she admitted on this podcast i think it was with uh terry pettit um that she was depressed in the off season mm-hmm. so think about that think about that the coach that you would probably think has the easiest nights of sleep because she knows she's going to roll the ball out and she has the best squad 95% of the time and it probably from an outside perspective probably feels like she's got an easy time with it because her mm-hmm. team's going to kick ass and there's not a lot of sleepless nights for her. And she was depressed. Yeah. She was depressed. And she didn't think about how much she wins. Yeah. Think about how much she wins and she was depressed. You know? <laughs> so that's what I mean. When you think about what's going through these coaches' minds, how much winning means to them, they wouldn't be putting themselves through this if it didn't mean a whole lot. Because the negatives are extremely impactful from mm-hmm. depression to, you know, like not wanting to eat, not getting any sleep, like – the health ramifications. I, I know I'm <laughs> yeah. cracking about it, but it's like you, you people are crazy competitive. So as passionate <laughs> as any fan can be on Twitter, um, as angry as you can be in 280 characters, it doesn't even compare. It doesn't even compare. Yeah. So that's what I would say to the fans who kind of like lose it a little bit based yeah. on game to game performances. Like I know you're angry. I know you're passionate. You don't want to win as bad as these people. And you mm-hmm. certainly aren't going to the measures that they would go to. So just trust yeah. that part of it that they want it more than you do, even as angry as you are. And then try to like, understand that a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's the best way I'll put it. Um, our next question is, is Epperson injured? I missed the official report. If there was one, if so, any time on his return, uh, he looked like he was suited up tonight. So I don't, I mean, honestly, it's just like, he is, um, I mean, physically he's just the, the dude's been through so much. And then you have Christian and Ryan who are tough to – it's tough to have both of them off the floor unless you have to. Right. You know, both of them are so impactful. It's tough to put anyone else on the floor. Um, and it's not like, you know, I don't know what Christian and Ryan played minutes-wise tonight. What was the disparity here? Freaking Christian played 25 minutes. I couldn't yeah, believe that. Christian was at 25. Ryan was at 15. I feel like that's pretty – that's okay. He was extremely efficient in that 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got 25 points and 13 boards out of that 40 minutes of breakdown and – Neither one of them cracked 30. Like that's yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find. I mean, it's hard to play three centers for crying out loud. <laughs> you don't you don't usually get three deep rotations in college basketball. Nah. The only time you see it in the NBA is when dudes are like on load management and stuff. So right. <laughs> no, there's none of that going on right now. So yeah, that's kind of part of it. He's he's banged up, but available, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to say it. But there's just not a there's not there's not a way for him on the floor right now with the way Krishna and Ryan are playing um let's see uh i don't know how to say this name so i'm not going to uh is creighton a largely average team who wins a lot of those close games due to experience or are they more talented than these teams and struggling to find their stride and pulling out games playing their c game with experience wondering if there isn't a next gear coming i mean you can tackle that one first we've kind of talked about it in different ways like their ceiling is kind of tied to someone off the in my opinion, someone off the bench in that wing spot raising their game a yeah. little bit. So that's what I think. I don't know what you yeah is creating an average team or is their ceiling yet to be realized? Um, I think their ceiling is yet to be realized. I think there's I think it's two part. I think their ceiling is yet to be realized, and I think people just in general need to understand how hard it is to win a Division One basketball game. 
Um, oh yeah, and, speak on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, how happy it's, it's are hard. you when you guys beat Northern Iowa in early November? Like, oh my gosh, yeah, right? it's like the right. it's like a heart attack the mm-hmm. entire game. And um, but yeah, just in general, like I, I think because we are a good program, it, it's it's easy to slip in the thought process that we're going to just blow teams out or we're going to just win. You know, like just no stress wins that kind of thing. Um, when in reality, like you could lose any night in the big East, AKA Georgetown, you know, like you, you can win or you can lose any night and you can win any night. Um, so with that being said, like, again, winning is freaking hard. It's it. And on top of the fact that our guys are playing a lot more games than other teams are playing right now in the league. Um, I think that, we definitely could be better, but I think that we also are doing some really impressive things for our situation. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to always sound like I'm like caping for, for our men's team, but that, to me, that's freaking impressive. Like I know, you know, we, we think about it. We came from the NBC yeah. and we are a top big East program. Somebody said that in the comments and I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. pretty impressive. Oh, I forgot that. Uh, yeah. So like, it's, it's just one of those things you get, you, you, you become a little stale or you, you just, you just start to think that um, you want more and more and more and more you get a win. And it's like, I want to win by 20 or I want to win by 15. And that makes me, that would make me feel like we're a sweet 16 team. When in reality, that's, you, you watch a lot of championship teams um, and you, you look at their, their games. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wrestling in there. You know, there's, it's, it's, it's not an easy, um, you know, it's not an easy road. So I think we're, we're good. We could be better, but I think we're in a really good space too, or, or, or spot too. Yeah. I think first of all, um, people should probably look up how many teams are in college basketball and then define average because I don't think, I don't think that, you know, what I learned about averages is like in the middle of all the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> am, I, am I not mistaken? Like, it's the high and the low, you add them together, that's your average, yeah? yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, just like, I don't know. I don't think they're an average team, first of all. That's just silly. They're better than that. What I do think is, maybe the floor is uh, lower than I thought if the bench is what it is right now. Cause I, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I just think that it's tied to that because last year the ceiling was, you felt like Creighton was a final four dark horse last year, the way they were playing mm-hmm. in March and February. But that had, like I said, six legitimately potent scorers on the roster. Right. I don't think they have that this year. Like, yeah. You know, Ryan can score, but he, you know, it's, it's, it's only, it's scoring in a way that's not, it doesn't, it's not like going to throw a defense out of whack. Right. I mean, Seton Hall literally couldn't keep the defensive player of the year in the Big East on the floor because of how many scorers Creighton could put on the floor at one time, how many perimeter mm-hmm. players like that guys can go, um, you know, go out to the perimeter, take you down, break you down, go all the way to the rim or yeah. pop it in your eye. Like it's, it, it's just a different type of scoring. So it's, it's a little bit easier to defend a post player than it is a guy who can 
go in the post or go on or right. go on the, on the wing and score that way. Like it's just different. Mm-hmm. So without, without knowing if that element is going to be there for Creighton, I think their ceiling is lower than it was last year, even though there's a lot of pieces back for, from that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're an average team though. I mean, I, I, they're, they're a legitimately, they're a legitimate top 25 team for sure. Um, they're, easily the second best team at worst in the big east that's not even a question mm-hmm. at this point because look at what they've done right Here, here's the thing that i just I, I was looking at it today and i'm kind of laughing about it because i have been getting this average question a lot like is creighton <laughs> not as good as we thought last year creighton was 13 i don't know if you remember this but do you remember the providence home game last year i do not so marcus had the uh, the head deal where he wasn't right to start and he was a little bit under the weather or whatever it was. And then um, um, Tyshawn banged up his knee in the early in the game. And then David Duke was going off and it looked like they were headed for a loss. Right. And then Tyshawn mm-hmm. went off to tie it and Marcus hit the game winner, mm-hmm. at, you know, with the last two seconds or whatever. And they won that game. Yeah. That game made Creighton 14 and five on the year. That's what they are right now through 19 games. Hmm. Same, same exact record, 14 and five. And right. okay. So you think about the last year, how did you feel about Creighton's ceiling when they were 14 and five? You probably felt like, wow, they just escaped Providence, a team who isn't playing very well right now. And they mm-hmm. feel pretty average. Yeah. Cause they had just lost to Georgetown on the road, which just, listen, yeah. they just lost to Georgetown and they came in and barely beat Providence to go to 14 and five. What just happened today? They lost to Georgetown, came in on the road, beat a, a beat a bad Marquette team, and to make it fourteen and five, and you're not feeling great about them right now. It's the same exact right. scenario. Yeah, it is. I <laughs> felt the exact same way at fourteen and five last year. The other part of it, last year they won the Big East, right? Got the one seed in the Big East tournament, right? Remember all mm-hmm. that? All that? Yep. Everybody rushed the court, confetti, banners, trophy. Mm-hmm. Remember all that good stuff? Remember how good you were feeling about that squad then? Do you know what they were after 14 games last year in Big East play? 10 and 4. Do you know hmm. what they are after 14 games in Big East play this year? 10 and 4. Do you know who they Eight. beat to go Do you know who they beat to go to 10 and 4 last year? They beat Marquette in Milwaukee on the road. So listen people, just look at it all. <laughs> it's all like there's not that whole bunch of differences going on right now. They're 14 yeah. and 5 through 19, they're 10 and 4 through 14 Big East games. I know it doesn't look the exact same. They're not kicking people's asses and running them out of the gym, but dubs are coming at the same rate they came last year. So mm-hmm. make of that what you will, but it's not average because if you felt like last year's team was average, you were dead wrong in March because they weren't average then. So I don't know how you can think they're average now. They're they're in they're they're winning at the same rate they won last year. Yeah. It just looks different. So feel any way about it you want, but the results are still the same. Um uh from Pete Berkland, he wants to know should Dawson Garcia sue for coaching malpractice for only getting six shots? <laughs> I that's what I mean. I can't I want to go back and watch this game again because I don't know if Marquette shut him off or a DJ shut him off. Um, yeah. I don't put it past Wojo to not use his best weapon. Um, but I also wonder how much of that was Creighton's defense. So I don't know how to answer that one. I don't know if you want to try. No, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm the same as you. I have yeah. no idea. I, I would definitely feel better. I would like to give if I was that talented, I'd feel bad about only getting six for sure. Yeah. But Heck yeah. I don't know. Heck yeah. He was in there for what he, he played 32 minutes. He was in there. 
Oh yeah. Um, just so invisible. yeah, it's just not explainable. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Other than tough. other than Damian Jefferson, just put the lockdown. Yeah. Maybe he just clamped him. You know. <laughs> you should ask Marquette Twitter that they'll probably have a lot of takes. Marquette Twitter <laughs> yeah. hates Wojo. And I don't know if you know Marquette Twitter at all. They're like the smartest fan base in the Big East. They are like <laughs> super analytical. They don't, I know Golden they, Eagle. That's the one I know. Yeah, is, they come is, correct constantly. There is not – yeah. <laughs> if they hate their coach, there's a reason. Like Keeger, <laughs> Wojo, they didn't like any of them, and there's reasons. There's legitimate oh reasons. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, I think that's about it for questions, honestly. There's a, yeah, there's a video of Theo John punching Denzel Mahoney. Um, there's a video of Wojciechowski guarding Denzel Mahoney on the perimeter or on the baseline or sideline. Yeah, yeah that, that stuff, was wild. That stuff, that stuff looks sketchy. I don't know what to say. That was wild. <laughs> it was like a triple yeah. team. You see the coach in the back? I know. Yeah, that's like messed up. Three of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened on that play, but I've seen that picture a couple times now. I mean, Theo, I Theo, I think Theo uh, elbowed Ty in the throat last year in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, he's a little cheap, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's always a little cheap. Those. Yeah, he's just, that's just, he's, he's got, yeah. that's, his bag of, that's his bag of tricks is like throw that elbow around. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you he, gotta, caught, he get... caught Ty in the throat last year and then Ty gamed him. So same, same result. <laughs> Theo John threw some bows and Creighton got the win. Yeah. Vince Washington repeat. He did something. He he got Christian today and he got mm-hmm. I don't know if they ended up calling that flagrant or not, but yeah, they didn't um, call the flagrant one on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Those players, those players gotta go on their scouting report too. You gotta like say like this kid's emotional. So if they do anything, you gotta make sure you let the refs know before you know, like you have yeah. to it's funny because scouts can get into a person's or a player's personality, especially if they're like important to that team's success hmm. and theo is is one of those guys so like whenever we'd play emotional players we'd be like okay this kid's gonna roll over if you continue to do this it'll frustrate her she'll run through the screen she'll do xyz and those kind of players you can really get them mentally checked out of the game pretty quickly based off the kind of stuff that you know theo's theo's doing so a lot I of times a, i have a consensus for your kids that you coach like there's a there's one name that constantly pops to the top of their mind when I ask them who the dirtiest player they ever played against in the Big East was. Do you have the answer? Do you think you know it? If if it were asked, the dirtiest player. Yeah. I mean, there like was one, a girl one of those who you like. You know, those bows are gonna be flying. Those those cheap shots are gonna be taken, and you have to be. I know. For it. Her name was like Butina, from Seton oh, Hall. Oh, from Seton Hall. With, okay. Do right. you remember her? Yep. I don't know if you remember her. She like literally swung like legit swung at timmy as she's running like tried to hit her in the back of the I head remember, i remember that yeah. <laughs> it was wild i don't I've think never timmy was looking like either that. i think timmy was like running <laughs> running down the floor wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. she wasn't we saw it on film and, and end up sending it in but like yeah i don't know those, that was one of the i remember the i remember the game you guys uh were you down big or up big and had to like fight them off or whatever when you came mm-hmm. back but then they like literally were just tackling live like oh yeah the, Remember they just like turned up the pressure so much and they were just tackling. I will her. say it's this. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Liv's like, getting a lot of love right now, but she, she, I think Liv was sneaky good at baiting people like that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> she, I know she was doing something in those little like squirms to get those girls to be like extra reactionary because literally every every person that had any kind of attitude 
Liv could get those kids like completely checked out of the game in a heartbeat. Hundred percent. You know, so hundred <laughs> percent. I love that, that's a skill. That five point play deal, that play that will like, you know, where you'll Liv will set that little flare screen. You guys will bang uh-huh. the three, and then she'll just get yeah. knocked over. I, I think who was it? Who was their best? Shadeen Samuels, right? Oh yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. Shadeen yeah, Samuels yeah. and what's, oh, what's yeah. Desiree Elmore? Elmore is that how uh-huh. is that her first name? She found yeah. both those kids out in that game. Yeah, I know. She just kept like just getting That's barreled over. report, man. Yeah. report. Yeah. Like there's 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 so many like intricacies to that stuff. Like, and not to get too detailed, but like when you when you're watching players who don't have control, whether it's mentality or over their body, they just like will barrel through stuff. You got to set those people up. So that's yeah. what, that's what Liv was good at doing is making those kids have to take the long route to go around. And usually they don't want to do that. So they'll just push through it. And exactly. Uh, that worked out to our advantage. So yeah, she, she deserved more assists for that. Yeah, I know. Right. They need to make screen assist a thing. Yeah, seriously. Villa, Villanova does. I mean, they do it at an I like, we, we were in their, um, I think I told you this last time mm-hmm. we were in their, their, their uh, locker room. And uh, that was a, that was one of the little things that they keep track of. And I just think stuff like that is just so underrated. Seriously. Um, and it's really important in these games, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Theo got to four fouls tonight. So Creighton almost got him out of there. Um, they got one flake. <laughs> they got one flake around him. Um, well, uh, Chef, thanks for, thanks for joining me, tuning in. Or thanks for everybody for tuning into it too. Um, thanks for your questions. Um, always appreciate picking Chef's brain. Um I guess good luck with the uh, with the hoops and who you. I guess is there anybody in the gym you're really excited about right now, or is it just like you just like being around the game? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple kids that, that I'm sure you know who the Brit Prince kid is. Oh yeah, um, Jesus, she's yeah, she's she's different um, in a really really good way. Yeah, um, and there are a couple you, other kids. You know, how long have you known her? We go way back. It's crazy um, because her mom used to coach with. I used to coach with her mom and we, we coached under Fritchie at Midland university. Uh, so I was a GA there for a year. She was an assistant coach and Fritchie was a head coach. She used to be at Fritchie used to be at Creighton, but um, yeah, we coached together and she was like so little, we knew about her, but she was like a little gym rat. Really? And always, always been around yeah, yeah, always, always, always. So um, yeah, we, so we've been working together for a little while um, since I left Creighton, but yeah, she's, she's legit. So. But there's Creighton, there's some there's some Creighton good offered, kids. Creighton offered her first, but they're gonna have to fight off everybody to get her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately she got like eight legit offers, and she's not even done with her freshman. You're like, yikes. <laughs> but the thing is, I think Creighton has a chance. So we got we got okay. it. I'm still I'm still trying to do a. I'm I, I'm trying to be as as uh, fair and equal as I can, but I still right. gotta you know yeah babies. you just like wear the gear around her a lot like little subtle yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I know what know what's going on yeah it is, if, if gino wants to come and talk then uh that's that's <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you're not gonna let him in the gym as easily you're like no no no, we're full today sorry who are you <laughs> that's yeah anyway that's funny. all right well thanks for hopping on good luck with the uh, with the workouts and and the development stuff um do you have any podcasts coming up you want to uh, what, what was that one you guys just did with Jalen and uh brie right yeah. So Jalen's yeah. been, um, thank God she's, so she's obviously hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has been awesome. She's been running our social media account and nice. she came up with, uh, this, the show where kind of kids can see 
um, what it's actually like to go through the high school, recruiting, college, and professional um, lifestyle and, under, and, and giving, I guess, younger kids a chance to ask questions um, in a space where it's going to be very real and it's not like uh, these sugar-coated responses. Is very, it's, it's, it's very um, real. And I thought they did an awesome job together. So yeah, if you want to check that out, you can, you can do that on our social media it's developed basketball. I think it's, I think it's on your IG live, right? So it's the, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I just, we just had Jordan and I just had her on the scurry and the scrub podcast. We were talking chiefs and talking John Chaney and all kinds of uh-huh. stuff, representation and black coaches in the game. And um, I forgot at the end of it to pub that, that P that, that like little interview they did because I was like, Oh yeah. man, it's like, it's a really cool deal. So yeah. If everybody wants to check that out, it's DVLP basketball right yes um, correct yeah so check yeah. out them on instagram on twitter follow them if you're not if they're not doing it um mm-hmm. you know what i mean chev's as good as anybody at developing these players and you know, creighton's got a leaguer because of her trust me folks it's, i'm not whatever I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke right now <laughs> um, i appreciate so yeah that, check, but... th- check that out check out their ig live because jalen and brie brie brianna rollerson is playing overseas in germany right now i think she's in germany right mm-hmm. yeah yep um, yeah. you know, an Omaha kid that's over overseas playing professional hoops right now. Um, and obviously, you know, Jalen's story. Uh, so check that out because it's really, really powerful stuff. It's really impactful stuff. And they're, I mean, yeah. these, these people yeah. are going to change the next, like the, the futures, these next generations based on the path they've kind of carved out for themselves. So go check out all the DVLP stuff, uh, follow Chev. Um, and if you've got kids that want to hoop, um, you know, hit her up on Twitter yeah, sit in my slide way. In those, slide in those Let's DMs. Go. I'm sure she'll she'll Let's train. Go. She'll train everybody. Like she's, she's all about it. <laughs> I appreciate that, Matt. Yeah, no problem. In the meantime, thanks for hopping on. I always appreciate picking your brain about hoops. And um, I know the season's dwindling down. We'll try to get you on again as we get into March Madness time. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Have a good thanks. night. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. <laughs>